0: Speaking of my wife, any of you that really know her know that Vicky loves Christmas carols. In fact, she loves listening to them the whole month of December. She says they're just one of the things that make Christmas season so special and so memorable. And I definitely agree with that. And I think it's probably true for all of us because carols remind us of good times gone by, don't they? They remind us of sitting on the couch in your living room and watching the lights on the Christmas tree and listening to the stereo. Can you picture that? And those familiar tunes are just one of the things that make Christmas, Christmas. But you know, carols are more than just music because the words in them remind us what the season is all about. And if there's one single word in those songs that really describe what Christmas is about, it's that little three-letter word, joy. Joy. And several of our carols mention it, right? Joy to the world. Good Christian men rejoice. Joyful all ye nations rise. Right? And it's not hard to feel joy when you come to church and you sing these wonderful songs. Especially if you get to be where I'm sitting between all of this great music, right, and all these great voices. It's just that when Monday comes, it's not always so easy to keep that joyful feeling going, is it? When you get back to the day-to-day business of life. And I think the problem with that is, we've got the wrong idea about what joy is and where it comes from. Because we tend to connect it with happiness and think that joy depends on our circumstances. And it's hard to stay upbeat when you're going from one doctor's visit to the next, isn't it? It's hard to stay upbeat when you're racing through the shopping malls trying to get all your errands done or through the grocery store. In fact, just the the cost alone of going to any of those places is enough to get you down, isn't it? (laughs) So what I want us to do today is take a look at the real source of joy and how we can hold on to it when everything in our lives seems to be turning upside down. And we're going to do that by looking at a song. The song that Mary sang after she found out that she was going to be the mother of our Lord. That's sometimes referred to as the Magnificat. And it comes from the first word of the Latin version of the text and it means to magnify. And Mary's song is all about magnifying our Lord Jesus. And even though he hasn't been born yet, At the time that she sings it, she wants to praise him and magnify him and give glory to God for everything that he's done. So this is in our lectionary reading. This is Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 46. And Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord! How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior! For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Holy One, the Mighty One is holy, and He has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear Him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He's scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He's brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. And He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. And he has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he has made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his seed forever. That's beautiful, isn't it? And there's a lot going on in this carol. This is a song that uh, that Mary sung. And so I want to break it down into four separate stanzas so we can really take a look at it. And the first of those stanzas is the joy of praise. The second stanza that she sings is Mary's own personal joy. The third is her joy for the world. And the fourth is her joy for Israel, or for the people of God. So we're going to break it down into four sections and look at it. But the first is the joy of praise. And if you notice in verse 1, she said, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. But then you have to ask, well, what prompted all of that joy? And for that, we have to back up about 20 verses or so earlier in the text where you find the appearance of the angel Gabriel and Luke writes for us in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of King David Gabriel appeared to her and said greetings favored woman the Lord is with you you remember that story right? That Christmas story. So the angel Gabriel appears to Mary and announces that she's going to be the mother of the Messiah. And although Mary is confused by the idea at first, she submits to the Lord. And then an amazing thing happens. Verse 35 says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will o- overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. He'll be called the Son of God. Incredible, right? And after that incredible announcement and this miraculous conception, Mary is so filled with joy, she just has to share the news. How could you keep something like that to yourself? So she goes off to visit her relative Elizabeth, who's expecting a miraculous baby of her own. And when these two women meet, they're so overcome with joy. They're so overcome at everything that has taken place in both of their lives that they just break into songs of worship and praise. But you know, Mary here, her words reveal something really significant about praising God. Because if you notice, in her words she said she praised God with her soul and with her spirit. She praised God with her soul and her spirit. She says, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And she's talking about praising God with her whole being, with her body, with her soul, with her spirit. Now, from the text, it's easy to know what her physical body is doing, right? It's singing with her vocal cords. But her words give us an insight into her soul. Because if you think about it just generally, in theology, the soul is the seat of our will and our emotions. It's kind of our, our inner self. And it's through the soul that we relate personally and emotionally with other people. But the spirit's altogether different. Because the spirit is not our emotional side. It's the side of us that relates directly to God. It's the side that knows what God is like and what He wants from us. And it's the part of us that understands what God has done for us and what He has given to us in Jesus Christ. And when Mary says that her spirit has rejoiced in God, she's saying that she understood who God was. She's saying she knows what He said in His Word. And she believes the truths that are revealed about Him. And that... That is the beginning of all true and joyful worship of God. That's the beginning. It's an understanding of the realities about Him. Because you can't worship someone you don't know, right? And you don't have to depend on your emotions. We talked about this in Sunday school class this morning. Because if you think about it, emotions and feelings are not necessarily part of true worship. You know, there's a lot of people that think that they haven't worshipped God unless they get goosebumps and chills and break out into tears and run around shouting, right? And banging their tambourines. Don't don't start that here, but. <laughs> and then there are other people who think that they can't worship God because they're too depressed. They're too down. Maybe they're carrying around misplaced guilt for some old sin that's already been forgiven. Maybe they feel emotionally like God wouldn't be ready to receive them. Maybe they're just too depressed. But you know, all of those ideas missed the mark because Mary is telling us that the true worship of God begins in the Spirit and not with just how we happen to feel today. And you know, in his ministry, Jesus affirmed that too. He told us in John 4, he said, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For those are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit. And his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And true worship of God flows through the Spirit based on the foundation of this right here. Amen. The Word of God. Amen. And where the Scriptures are not understood, there can't be any true worship. I'm going to say that again. Where the Scriptures are not understood, there can be no true worship. So to those people who feel like they can't worship unless they feel like it, Or don't think they've worshipped unless they feel something. Mary's telling us today that the true worship of God is sometimes going to bring those feelings, but not always. Because true worship doesn't focus on feelings, but on what God has done for us. And what God has given us in Jesus Christ. Now like I said in Sunday school this morning, don't get me wrong, those emotional highs are great when they come, aren't they? Right? It was great to stand here and, and feel all that music enveloping around me, but don't let it worry if you don't always get those high feelings. Because worship is in your spirit and not in your emotions. It's based on truth. Not how you feel today. Not on what's going on around us. So if you want to really worship God, get into His Word. Get into His Word. Ask the Spirit of God to open the truths of these scriptures to you. You know, sometimes you'll get that great... Joyful jolt, you'll get that tingle, that rush, that heart beating wildly. But not always. Maybe not even very often. Because true worship doesn't depend on the flutter of emotions, but it depends on spiritually understanding the Scriptures. Spiritually understanding the Scriptures. And Mary is showing that today in the way that she worshipped. Because, you know, as a Hebrew person, her mind would be thoroughly soaked in the Scriptures. And we know that from the words that she speaks. Because if you really paid attention to the song, it's very similar to the song of Hannah in the Old Testament when she gave birth to Samuel. It's also very similar to the song of Miriam in the book of Exodus. So Mary knew the word of God and because because of that, when she worshipped, God's word naturally came out of her. And that should be the same for us. And in the rest of her song, we can see more of those scriptures that she learned as she transitions now from praising God to being joyful for what God had done for her personally. And this is the Luke 48 to 49. She sings, For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. We're still doing that today, right? That's a prophecy fulfilled. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. You know, and while I have very, very great respect for our Catholic brothers and sisters in Christ, I think some of them, some, not all, have mixed these two verses up. Because Mary says that she will be blessed and that God is holy. Because some folks have kind of got that the other way around. And they call Mary holy, as in, you know, Holy Mary, Mother of God. Now, she definitely is the mother of Jesus. She definitely is blessed and worthy of our respect but as an example of being a willing servant of God. Because it is God, and only God, who's holy. She was a regular person just like the rest of us. And she didn't have to be perfect so that Jesus could be born without sin. Jesus was born without sin because he didn't have an earthly father. He was born without sin because he was the incarnation of the Godhead. Right. He was born without sin because he had God. And God alone is His Father. And Mary reveals her knowledge of this in the verses. First, she speaks of her own lowly state. Now, that, of course, refers to her humility and the lowliness of the mind. But, you know, she's also speaking of her human condition because she understood that she was a sinner in need of a Savior just like everybody else. And she recognizes that she's a servant. She refers to herself as the maid servant of God she knows she doesn't deserve anything but just to serve him and to love him. And that it's only because of God's grace that from now on all generations will call her blessed. Only because of God's grace. And when she's saying that they'll be called blessed, it's not a statement of pride. It's a remembrance of the promise that the angel Gabriel gave to her. When he said to her, Greetings you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And she was blessed, wasn't she? She's the most favored woman that's ever walked the face of the earth, but that shouldn't lead us to idolize her, which is something that I don't believe Mary would have wanted anyway. But rather to show us that we are all blessed if we accept the gift of Jesus Christ. Because there is a way, there is a way that you and I can actually be blessed more than Mary. More than she was. I'll give you this example. Later in Jesus' life, he's teaching one day and a woman comes up and shouts out to him from the crowd, Lord, blessed is the womb that bore you. And listen to how Jesus answered her. He said in Luke eleven twenty eight, he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Right? This woman shouts out from the crowd, Lord, blessed is the womb that bore you. And he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Now, Jesus isn't trying to downplay the significance of Mary's blessing, but he's putting her blessedness in perspective. Because, as we've already seen, Mary was blessed because of her knowledge of the Scriptures, of the Word of God. And Jesus reveals that if you and I want to be truly blessed just as much, if not more, than Mary, all we have to do is do the same thing that she did and hear the Word of God and obey it. That's what it comes back to. We've got to hear the Word of God and joyfully obey it. That's where true worship comes from. That's where true joy from God comes from. And if you want to worship God, you have to get into His Word. If you want to worship God, you have to get it into your head and into your heart, not just in your hand. And Mary's song spells that out as she understands what God has done for her. And then in her song as she continues she tells us that she not only understands what God has done for her but the joy that she has in what God has done for the world and that's in Luke 1 verses 50 to 53 when she sings he shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him his mighty arm has done tremendous things he's scattered the proud and the haughty ones he's brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble he's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? You see, Mary sings that God responds in two different ways to two different kinds of people. There are those who fear God and obey Him, and there are those who are proud and arrogant. Now, the ones who fear God and obey Him receive His mercy, receive His provision, and they're exalted. And Mary's song shows us that the opposite happens to those who only trust in themselves to those who are arrogant and proud and they're cast down and scattered, he says. She's saying that the proud trust in themselves and in their own thoughts, but God scatters their plans and they don't work out. But the flip side of that is, she says, while the proud are brought down and left empty, the humble and the lowly are filled and exalted. And it's not because their plans are so great, it's because their God is so great. Right? The humble people aren't exalted because their ideas are so great, but because God is so great. And his plans never fail. That's the benefit. That's the love that God has poured out on the world through the coming of the Messiah. That's the wonderful promise of joy that Mary is singing about. Because she saw God turning the whole world upside down. The weak dethrone the mighty. The humble scatter the proud. The nobodies are exalted and the hungry are filled. And those truths are comforting for us too, right? Because when you're downtrodden, God can lift you up. When you're slighted, God's going to bless you. When you're insulted, God can exalt you as long as you stay humble and lowly yourself and stay in His Word and stay obedient to it and joyfully magnify the name of our Savior. But more important than all of that, even if God didn't keep that promise, more important than all of that is when the Word of God combined with the ministry of the Holy Spirit allows you and I to recognize what Jesus has done for the world in lifting all of us up out of the pit of sin. Because even though we deserve only punishment, God doesn't give us what we deserve, does He? But He gave us Jesus instead. And everyone who believes on Him, everyone receives that joy of eternal life. And that's what Mary's talking about when she said she knows this good news is not just for her generation, but it's going to be passed down from generation to generation throughout the whole world and right into this church today. Right here among us. Because God's good news is for all people who respond to the Spirit's call to the gospel. And the blessings of God through Jesus are for everyone who responds to that movement of the Holy Spirit on their lives. So if you feel the Spirit moving, open your heart to Him today. But you know, the trouble is there are a lot, a lot of people who are more than willing to receive the good things that Christ wants to offer. But they don't want Him to take charge of their lives. Or their business ethics. Or their entertainments. Or the language that they use. Or their public image. They want the good things, but not the commitment. They don't want Jesus to be in charge of what they do or the choices that they make. But Mary would have us know in her song today that if you try to receive Christ without letting Him reign in your life, you're still missing the mark. And you won't experience that joy that God has for us. Because you're still exalting your own plans. And your own ideas instead of God's until you come crashing down, and have to ask God to come to the rescue. And perhaps that's something else that Mary's song is hinting at here when she says He's brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble, because our Lord wasn't born in a palace of gold, was He? He wasn't born in the royal residence of Herod in Jerusalem. He was born in a stable. Was clothed in rags was laid in a feeding trough. Now what would you think if you saw a gift under the Christmas tree wrapped in shabby paper and tied up with duct tape? (laughs) You might be afraid to open it. But you see, Jesus' lowly entrance in the world doesn't diminish the story of Christ's birth. If anything, it helps us realize the great sacrifice that God made. The great sacrifice that He made in His gift to humanity. In His condescension to become like one of us. The ultimate joy that comes to us in the simplest and the humblest of wrappings. The baby in the manger. The creator of the universe in human flesh. Which brings me to the final stanza of Mary's song. And that's her joy for Israel. This is in Luke one fifty-four to 54-55. She sings, He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his seed, Forever. You know, although the people of Israel have almost always been in a state of rebellion against God, God reminds them here through Mary that he's never going to forsake them. That he's always going to fulfill his promises to them. And Mary once again shows her knowledge of Scripture by quoting one of the promises of God to Abraham in the Old Testament book of Genesis. She's quoting here Genesis 22.18. that says, And through your seed all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. That was God's promise to Abraham. And there's kind of a a lot of fuzzy theology out there on the place that Israel and and the Jewish folks have in redemption history, but don't let anyone ever tell you that God has permanently set Israel aside and that he won't keep his promises to her. If God doesn't keep his promises to Israel, he might not keep his promises to you and me. But we know that God always always fulfills His promises. And Mary shows, she understands that the baby in her womb is God fulfilling His most important promise to Israel. It is God coming to Israel's help to fulfill His word. And that what's created that song of joy in her heart is that great love of God. A song of joy that burst from Mary's lips based on what she knew about Scripture based on what she knew that God would do for her people in sending the Messiah through them who would fulfill the promises of Scripture to the whole world. Just like Jesus told us in Matthew, He said, Don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. And it was achieved right in the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ because he is himself the word of God in human flesh for us at Christmas. Bringing the joy of salvation to all the world. And we need to look to him. Hebrews twelve two says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And what a joy that should be for us too. Maybe even enough to make you break into song. Now, you might not have a good voice. You already know I don't. That's why I have a deal with Lynn to mute my microphone every time the singing starts. You may not have a poetic way of saying things, but it doesn't matter because God made you and He loves you. He loves for you to praise Him just the way you are. And that's what God wants for us to learn the lesson of joy from Mary. To sing praise. To give thanks to him this Christmas. And that's what she's telling us in this song. She wanted this gift to be as personal for us as it was for her. As personal for us as it was for her. Because, beloved, Jesus Christ came for you. Jesus came for you. You know, when when Jesus was born, the angel said to the shepherds, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Right Unto you for you he came for you personally and this is where Christmas becomes intensely personal for all of us because it's not enough to just abstractly say that you believe Christ came millions of people believe that and they're still lost in their sins and it's not enough to say that Christ came for someone else because you and I can never be saved until the Holy Spirit shows us that Jesus Christ came for me he died for me that he rose from the dead for me Do you believe that today? Do you believe that? You know, in just a very few days, Christmas is going to be here quicker than you think. Families are going to gather around their trees and open gifts. My kids are already counting the hours till they can tear into them. (laughs) But you know, what good is a gift that never gets opened? What good is a gift that never gets opened? 2,000 years ago, God sent a gift wrapped in swaddling clothes and placed in a manger. Jesus is God's gift to you and me at Christmas. But you'll never experience that Christmas joy until you personally receive that gift in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I close again with those words of the angels to the shepherds. Fear not, for behold I bring you good news of great joy which will be for all people. And what's the source of that joy? The same as it was for Mary. For unto you, you, is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord joy to the world the Lord has come amen Amen. will you pray with me heavenly father during this advent season may we truly remember the greatest gift ever given your son Jesus Christ fill our hearts with joy Lord day by day as we think of our savior putting aside his heavenly glory and becoming a newborn baby with only a stable roof to shelter him and ordinary parents to care for him And Lord, as we prepare to celebrate Christmas, grow our understanding and wonder at his birth. And may our hearts overflow with joy and praise, just like Mary, not just at this joyful season, but all year round. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen.